everyone, this is Under 1000. We are your hosts, Sam. And Jacob. And today we've got a very special episode. We've, uh, you've, Jacob, you've, you've been to a restaurant before at some point. Uh, yes, I've been to a restaurant. <laughs> I know it's, it's been a long time because of COVID, but I have been to a restaurant yes. before. And at those restaurants, yeah, at this restaurant, you're looking at your menu, okay? You're looking at the entree section, but nothing, nothing is just like looking good. And then, and then you look, your eyes wander upward to a different part of the menu, and you see that they will make you mozzarella sticks next to jalapeno poppers, next to little fried pieces of tofu, and you realize that that's what you're looking for. You're looking for the appetizer sampler. You're in the litter box now, boy. <laughs> it's an appetizer sampler episode. <laughs> <laughs> don't know what the litter box means, but yes, it is. Uh, today I don't we're know looking... what it is either. I've just been shouting at Robin ever since we got engaged. It's just going, you're in the litter box now. And then sometimes I throw a little meow at the end of it, you know? Well, love is complicated. Um... <laughs> it sure is, but that's right. Today we're doing an appetizer sampler episode. So, like your jalapeno poppers, tofu sticks, uh, you got gyoza, and uh, a, a shrimp cocktail. I don't, that's not something I've ever eaten. That's disgusting. But, <laughs> so we're looking at three different games uh, that we'll talk about a little more briefly each. Uh, they all fall under our under 1,000 criteria. Um, but we don't necessarily feel like they're substantial enough for us to do a full 30 to 40 minute episode on them. Yeah, so we thought we'd take three, combine them, and uh, take a look at all these. Because they all do deserve a look, and we enjoyed all three of them. We sure did. Yeah. And so, uh, on to our first game. And this game, uh, <laughs> it's nuts. <sighs> Just keep going. <laughs> Uh, it's literally called NUTS, all caps, N-U-T-S. Um, it's called NUTS. Yep. And it's a single-player squirrel surveillance game uh, with a visually arresting art style that centers around simple but delightful camera mechanics. And that's not camera as in, like, the camera that's viewing you as the player, but literally you're placing cameras around to watch squirrels. Um, but before we go any further into the gameplay, uh, Jacob's going to cover a bit of background. All right. So background for NUTS. This is NUTS in all caps, by the way. This yeah. is NUTS. <laughs> This As if you're nuts. texting it in distress, okay? <laughs> nuts was released on February 4th, 2021. It's published by Noodle Cake, and the developers are listed as June, Pole, Mooch, Char, and Torfi. Nice job. A small remote team of experienced indies, as it states on their website, nuts.game. <laughs> Don't misspell that one. When you're <laughs> I was going to say, you're not going to uh, pause for a joke there? <laughs> <laughs> From their site. About the game, they say. June came up with a core mechanic for Nuts at a game jam in Reykjavik. He then invited the digital forester and artist Pole to make the world, and narrative designer and writer Char, who is in love with squirrels, and the coolest Foley artist on the planet, Mooch, to assemble a unique constellation of experience and talent. They are committed to developing the game without crunch and making the development journey as enjoyable as the outcome. This is a charming crew of lads. And lattices. Yeah, <laughs> lattices, yes. Uh, and mad respect for the attitude of not designing it with crunch, and I think that definitely shows in the finished product. Yeah, so Nuts has been a finalist for many awards internationally, and it won Best Audio Design Award at IndieCade 2020. Uh, it's available on PC via the Humble Store, uh, Steam, itch.io, uh, which is it pronounced itch.io? Man, I hear people saying that shit all the time. And Apple Arcade and on Switch. 
Uh, it currently sits as a very positive review rating with 265 reviews and it costs $19.99. Uh, and this is where I'll say my favorite line. We're going to get to that a little later. <laughs> yeah. All right. So let's talk through the game. Yeah, so um, the initial hook is that you're a volunteer nature study participant. You're with an organization sent out into the wilderness in a trailer with some camera equipment to document the squirrel activity in a protected wildlife area. Um, the central mechanic is surveillance and orienteering. So you place your cameras around the map during the day to sort of track the movements and activities and behaviors of the squirrel population. And then you return to your trailer at night to review the footage and see where you might need to adjust, usually following the squirrels to some location or trying to find them doing some particular thing. It's worth noting, too, that it's essentially turn-based, right? Um, you're setting out the cameras during the quote-unquote day cycle, and then when you're ready to end the day, you transition to the night cycle, which is you know sort of the next turn of what you're doing. Yeah, definitely. And it takes it's a it's a fine line between sort of like uh, there's a lot of guesswork involved. You know, like I I find that like there's a lot of strategizing, and that like I'll put my two like maybe two of my three cameras where I think the obvious path is, and then I'll place one camera in like a weird crevice that I think they might go into at some point. You know, so there is that. <laughs> you did that too. Okay. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. I, <laughs> yeah, I, ca I called it stinky camera. I always just had like the one weird camera <laughs> that I was like, I don't know what you're looking at, but you're the funny one. And yeah, and uh, like like you know, probably two out of three times that one would get at least something. Yeah, yeah, and I would, yeah. Yeah. Proud, and, of, proud of Stinky Camera. <laughs> yeah. Remember and, uh, that I played this game in a binge from 2 a.m. to 4 a.m.? Yeah, I think I played the game in a similar binge, and I think I told you not to play the game on a binge, and we just both ended up doing the same exact thing. It's hard to put down once you start. It really is. Yeah. There are four to five segments of the game, uh, and they increase in complexity and um, cover a few, like, varied environments, although it's all, you know, wilderness. And I think you made a really good um, observation when we were talking about this game earlier, which is that the camera mechanic is a lot like the portal gun mechanic in Portal. Like, it's a simple mechanic, right? But the as the game advances, it mixes it up and does enough variations and adds complexity so that this simple mechanic is like way more interesting than you would think on its face. Right. Yeah. All of the gameplay is based around this sort of innovative thing that you haven't done much of before in a game. Probably. I hadn't. Um, and you st like with portal you start with the basics of like it's really easy to catch the squirrels with the cameras and as time passes you start getting into more complex environments that have like limited places to put the cameras and there are more complex things you need to figure out like multiple squirrels running around that you need to track and so it ramps up that difficulty and you're forced to push your limits of how you can use this mechanic yeah definitely and i think it's also worth noting too that these are not your ordinary these ain't your mama's squirrels these squirrels are Strange. <laughs> yeah, this is the squirrel that your like neighborhood friend took out of a nest when it was tiny, and then it like learned to be a friend of humans. Yeah. Um. So it, it does lead you into some weird scenarios, and um, it kind of confounds the other character in the game, um, the other sort of supporting narrative role, uh, who is your supervisor, who contacts you via phone, um, and sort of gives you your objectives, and also gets feedback from what you're seeing, and also sort of carries this. Um, I guess we'll call it a subplot to the game. Um, 
I think it's the plot. I think it's just so (laughs) perilously thin that it feels like a subplot. (laughs) Yeah, the game feels a lot, and I saw some comparisons in the reviews to this as well, but the game feels a lot like Firewatch in that you're sort of a solitary person out in the wilderness, and you've only got really one sort of point of contact, and I don't think you even really say anything back, unlike Firewatch. So it's really this person is kind of a mirror for your experiences, and you're kind of the silent participant, you know? Um, Yeah. But the writing is really good, and the voice acting is really good. So I think, all in all, despite the fact that the story gets a little bit fragmented at times... um, The one voiceover performance in the game is stunning. It's excellent. Absolutely. Yeah, for sure. Um, And the the story, speaking of which, does follow this sort of vague... um, conflict between the research organization which is your employer and their struggles I guess continuously against a specific mega corporation that has repeatedly caused serious damage to the natural habitat that you're in Um, so you'll encounter like that's the main struggle that's happening above your head as you're sort of in the wilderness yeah so moving on to the level of polish um, I think the art is something that attracts a lot of people to this game it's this really dreamy, interesting kind of vector world where things are, you know, s- cell shaded flat colors uh, split up by these kind of three or four color palettes um, that give the game like, yeah, that very distinct vaporwave kind of aesthetic. Uh, but it also reflects yeah. the mood of the forest well in each environment, in day, at night, in areas that are polluted, in areas that aren't polluted. Uh it's surprising how futuristic it looks while also reflecting that kind of organic environment that you're in. Yeah, and I think it works because if you think about the regular organic environment, you're looking at probably a lot of green and brown. And what they've done is just take a very simple color palette and just change the colors right. involved. You know, if you think about it, like being out in a forest is pretty much monochrome, you know, or duochrome. And, you know, they've just changed the colors and mix it up. And also the palettes shift from day to night and then from place to place too. So accompanying that art style is a fitting, very chill kind of lo-fi soundtrack, right? Mm -hmm. Um, And it fits what it seems like a lot of people are saying about Nuts, which is that it's kind of a meditation game. The music isn't super trance-like, but it's just very calming. And in the background of you setting up these cameras in the woods, it really does help to to set the stage. Yeah, totally. And I think the there's a little bit of sound design where you can hear audio cues from the squirrels themselves, um, from a couple of things in the environment. And uh, like you said, it's just very chill and very fitting. And it, it adds to the immersion, which I think leads into our next point on, on level of polish uh, pretty clearly, which is the physicality of this. This is one of my things when it comes to the polishing game. And I think one of yours too, right? When you, when you interact with objects in this game, you pick them up, you place them, you look at them without breaking the immersion with some kind of HUD or, you know, button prompt or anything like that. Yeah, absolutely. That's a really big factor in immersion for me as well, actually. Just there are very few hiccups when you're looking around uh, and trying to figure out what you can and can't touch and interact with and do. The game has you do some weird stuff for a video game, like printing out a photo and then bringing the photo over and putting it on a fax machine uh which sounds like it could be really convoluted or just annoying but it's so intuitive that it like really helps you get into the field that that's what you're actually doing yeah and it's not you know go to the printer press a go to the fax machine press a you know it's right, go to the right. printer select the frame you want print it pick up the photo put it on the fax you know like it's all those little steps that right. like it seems like it's adding tedium but it's not it's adding immersion you know mm-hmm. 
Yeah, and I think yeah, that, absolutely. That's really like that combined with the the aura that the music adds, combined with the dreamy palettes, sort of give you this very, like you said, meditative and um, immersive experience. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so overall, I think that we really enjoyed Nuts. It is a great test of a game mechanic that I would love to see more. It is very immersive. The world is great. Let's talk about the price. Yeah, so this is our sort of one, um, I guess, in the con column would be the price. It's a little bit high uh, considering the length of the game, and I think considering the um, level of closure you get from it, I'll say, without spoiling anything. Right. I don't know that the story is really resolve that well much less so magnificent that it makes it worth twenty dollars to hear um but at the same time i do want to say that i think here's a moment of philosophy all right sam <laughs> we we had a moment of philosophy during our last review yep. where we talked about positively reviewing games mm-hmm. and i think of the moment of philosophy for this game, now that I've had a couple of uh, of Vernus Gruners, all right, <laughs> okay, uh, which would be the Aldi beer that just says German beer. Nice. Um, is that as a society, I think that a lot of people are having a reevaluation of what their time and what their energy and what their creative effort is worth. Yeah, I think it's. I fair think to that's say. something that. A lot of people are discussing now. A lot of people are analyzing in their own lives. And I think that Nuts is a good game. Yeah. And I can't tell you go spend your $20 on it. But I do think that it's worth putting money into indie games if you love indie games. And if I'm going to spend $20 to go see a movie that's two hours, why not play a pretty interesting game that's two hours for $20? Yeah, that's a really good point. And I think I will always take a vision, a specifically executed, like uh, curated, bespoke vision of a game over something, you know, AAA churned out for 60 bucks, you know, any day. Damn, you're not, you're telling me that you're not excited about all the innovations in the new Call of Duty? (laughs) Man, I feel like shitting on Call of Duty so played out at this point, but. They just, (sighs) they just give you so much ammo. (laughs) <laughs> it's just each call of duty game i like that now in cod the like new advertising pitch that they have is what's different in it from the last game i guess <laughs> like maybe like a little bit trying to try to prove the point that they're doing something different but it's like it's not really innovative it's innovative in the way that like uh the kid who sat next to me in my high school chemistry class and uh, he would just draw vaginas on everything. And I asked him why. And I was like, dude, why are you, draw, why are you drawing a vagina in the back of this uh, school te- school-owned textbook? And he'd be like, dude, everybody just draws dicks on everything. Why does dicks have a monopoly on just, like, genitals getting drawn on stuff? And so, like, they're that type of pioneer, you know? Weirdly equ- equitable moment. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, he was a good guy. He was a good guy. All right, so let's move on from, uh, from preach hour to... So what's your review that you pulled out from Steam for Nuts? So my review is from Dexter DD, um, and uh, I think that, is that the dentist doctorate? 
Uh, Don't write into the show. No, I, I think that that's like a busty Dexter lab cosplayer. Gotcha. Okay, yeah, D- Dexter double D. I get it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so Dexter <laughs> DD uh, says this is the um, the Dark Souls of Squirrel surveillance games. I mean, I think it's also the Superman sixty four of Squirrel surveillance games. <laughs> In that it's the every game of squirrel surveillance games because I can't name another squirrel surveillance game. I'm gonna go ahead and say that Dexter DD, it's the portal of squirrel surveillance games. Yeah, that's more accurate. I hope that we see more squirrel surveillance games in the future, and I would love to see a squirrel surveillance shooter as we've been playing with. Uh, what's that game with the portal mechanic in it? Oh yeah, oh uh, drift. No, um, is it? Uh, it's like hole puncher. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's hole puncher. That's it for sure. I'll edit. Yeah, I'll edit in know. the name of the game here. There we go. Yeah, that's right. It's called Mister Tunnel Boy. <laughs> yeah. Okay. All right. So moving on to our second game. Uh, our second game for this week. So, all right. So we polished off our mozzarella sticks, and we're moving on to the vegetable gyoza of the episode. Uh, I don't know what that means, but our second game is The Ramp. Sam, do you want to give us a little background on The Ramp? Yeah, sure. So The Ramp was released on August 3rd, 2021, and was developed by Hyper Paradise. Uh, It bills itself as a digital toy for skateboard-loving people. Pure flow with no extra fluff. Uh, And I think pure flow is absolutely right. Um, From the Steam page... uh, you crave for flow. You just want to shred through a half pipe without all the boring stuff. Say no more. The ramp is your jam. Tons of flow. Satisfying and unique skateboarding gameplay. Easy to learn, hard to master. No unlockable stuff. No score. No missions. No guns, explosions, or helicopters. I mean, they're being really honest and exciting, but it also reminds me of the like weird, tacky Green Day ads. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? You ever see those where Green Day's like, we got a new album coming out. You know what, Scott? no trap beats on it and i was like is this how relevant you are at this point <laughs> that you're just trying to like you have to advertise by appealing to people who don't like trap beats yeah like, yeah that's come on that's rough um a quick note from the developer when thinking about buying the ramp please keep in mind that it's a very small game maybe not even a game but rather a digital toy it was created by a single developer hi that's me paul to scratch a very specific itch uh the ramp captures the unparalleled feeling of real life vert skateboarding and that's pretty much it there's a lot this game doesn't feature what it offers you are the 15 minutes of flow that make a boring day great at the price of a medium-sized cinnamon pistachio latte to go uh, it's available on PC via Steam, and it currently sits at an overwhelmingly positive score with 670 reviews, and it costs just $5.99. That's right. So, let's talk about it. Setting the scene, um, it really is that simple. There's you, a board, and then you choose between four levels, uh, a half pipe, two pools, and then like basically a big jump, right? Yep. Um, it's a super minimalist game in that you're basically using one button to push and control your momentum, using a joystick to direct yourself, and then using your other joystick. I was playing on a controller, obviously, uh, mm-hmm. to sort of select which trick you're doing, right? Yep. I think there's also a grind button, and that's pretty much it. Uh, yeah. And this sounds really boring when I say it out loud, but you know, Sam. Yeah. This is one of the best games that we played. It really is. It yeah. really is. He calls it a, a virtual toy, but I think that's selling it short. It's a full game, and the thing is, like, you buy it. You install it. It installs in, like, 
three seconds. You open it up and you start it in the tutorial. And part of you is sort of worried and you're like, is this it? But then your mind just like goes into the zone, you know? Like you get that flow state and suddenly it's 20 minutes later and you just fuck up one trick and like you wake up and it's like snapping out of like a daydream. You know, because like the 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 way that this game evokes that meditative flow state is like more on command than I think any game I've ever played. Totally. It's all timing and just stringing together correct button presses. Right. Mm -hmm. And you get so much satisfaction from like the great like grinding sounds and hearing yourself land the tricks and the music is awesome. And there's a great effect they do with the music where when you crash, it like fizzles out. So the motivation that you have to keep that music going is a huge part of what gets you in that Zen zone. Though, honestly, I think that a digital toy is an apt comparison in terms of how you end up using it after a period mm. of time like you can play it and just be in the flow state but you can also use it like like it's a toy when you're a child like you're imagining things around it and i, I found myself playing it and being like you know i'm not imagining that i'm the x games here <laughs> drinking vernus gruner and eating checks mix but I was like setting little accomplishments for myself, being like, all right, we're going to do the 720, then we're going to land a, a 900, we're going to jump over this uh, ladder successfully, you know? Um, and in the way that it's like unstructured play, it feels like a toy. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think we're going we're gonna to take another little like toe dip into the pool of philosophy, not for long, but just like sometimes I wonder we hated on the Witcher 3 I think a couple of episodes ago and I hate on a lot of open world games like that for the reason that I think like what is an open world game is does is it is it a very large area that you have to run to and press a bunch of buttons over and over again to do the same quest or is an open game a playground where you set your own goals if you want to see an indie game that does this extremely well go play seven days to die yeah definitely uh it's just Minecraft with zombies if you've never heard of it so moving on to the level of polish, um, the art is very pared down in detail, but it's all super bold, bright colors. The music is excellent, like we talked about. It really reinforces that's the kind of flow, the way that it starts and stops, and encourages you to keep just stringing these button presses together, and it's super satisfying. Uh, the physics... They're pretty sharp, right? Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's like the secret sauce, right? Like the the physics, the the fairness of landing a trick versus not landing a trick and having to start over always felt well-tuned. Um, the isometric viewpoint took a little while to get used to, um, especially with, when it comes to like, you know, left and right on the controller. Definitely. But once you're past that, um, yeah, the physics feel great. I think that I had maybe like a little bit of like uh, skateboard game weirdness where you go up in the air and then the pool has like a corner in it and then you kind of like magnetically float around the corner. Um, but it's all like really predictable. Learn the game and then switch on hardcore mode. It seems like the only change that hardcore mode makes is that it's, uh, you have to have your skateboard lined up the right way when you land. And it does a really yep. good job of reading that. Uh, and it helps up the challenge so that you're not just sort of infinitely doing tricks and landing them in an invincible way. Yeah. And I think it's worth checking out uh, two more things, which is the uh, the interesting control scheme for the tricks. You know, usually you're pressing buttons if in the Tony Hawk games to do tricks. In this case, it's like a joystick, which adds some like interesting 
you know, reactability to it. Like you could switch tricks really quickly if you needed to. Um, and the other thing is that there's no scoring, which I think we touched on briefly, but I mean, I think that's a key element, right? Is that it, like, it wouldn't be as meditative if there were numbers ticking up, you know, on the screen. Right. Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, overall we'd say it's perfect at what it does. Uh, yeah, definitely. Sam, did you pull a steam review for this game as well? I did, and actually it was shockingly prescient. Uh, the the ramp is a fidget spinner for the cool kids, is Snake's <laughs> review of this game. I'll give them that. I'll give them that. It's awesome. All right, so Vegetable Gyoza has been completed, and we are on to our <laughs> our third appetizer uh, yes. in this. We're going to call not- these the... The hol- we've had mozzarella sticks and gyoza. I don't know what kind of restaurant we're at. Um, well, it's like a cruise kitchen. <laughs> you know? Gotcha. Okay, yeah. It, we're it's like we're at the food court at Bush Gardens. <laughs> Great. Okay, so next up is the pretzels with beer cheese, which you wish had come first, but just somehow emerged last from the kitchen, despite being <laughs> the simplest thing. <laughs> All right, so moving on to our last game of the episode, Drift King was released on August 23rd, 2021, and was developed by Georgi Abalashvili, a game developer in the village of Sartishala, Georgia, and I'm sorry if I butchered any of that. I spent a long time Googling the pronunciations, and I didn't he find He tried so hard. That I tr- this took so many takes. <laughs> most of the episode prep. Um, He's an awesome game developer, though. His past projects include Alter World, an experimental 2D platformer that makes use of a multiple dimensions mechanic, and Slice, a puzzle game where the player slices objects to solve puzzles. Oh, nice. From the Steam page, let's drift. You in the litter box now, boy. Um, (laughs) So it just says left drift, and then it's followed by some gifs of some sick drifts uh, with these light descriptions. Grab your favorite car, tune it, and challenge other players online. Customize cars your own way. Upgrade engine, change rims, colors, and create custom libraries. Conquer challenging drift tracks. Climb up on leaderboard and become the drift king. So this game is in early access, uh, but I Mm -hmm. think that he did a really good job of explaining the early access uh, and why it makes sense and what he's doing to not fall into the early access trap. We're going to call it the eat that we've talked about <laughs> many <laughs> nice. times in previous episodes. Um, yeah, and let's pause for a moment too, because I think this game is is near and dear to you, right? Like you, this was of all the three of these, I'm not a racing game person, but you definitely are. Yeah, so I should say, um, of all of the game genres, the one that I probably have the most hours in is uh, racing, both arcade and Sims. And so I'm really excited to see this game as it evolves from the early access, because the early access as it is, is a fairly robust game. Georgi explains on the Steam page, uh, the goal of making this game is to have almost perfect drifting fun. And how do you achieve this if you don't involve the community in it? I've done my best to put every basic aspect of a drift game, but I would like to fulfill the expectations of this game. So I decided to cooperate with the community and work on the game together with them. The price will be lower for the entire period of early access. Once all the key elements have been introduced and the game has been fine-tuned, the price will be raised. Don't worry, the price won't be doubled. Overall, it's very community-focused, and like he cites the Twitter, the Discord, the Steam forums as points of contact where you can actually give feedback on the game. Yeah, overall, like, like reading through it, it gave me the same feeling as the other early access games we've chosen, which is that this is someone who's really passionate about making this specific game about this specific thing, and it's really community-driven and oriented. So it feels appropriate. Oh, absolutely. This is the Drift Lover's Drift game. 
so essentially, you're going to choose from a variety of modders' favorites, starting with uh, you get like a Frank Ocean Spec Orange E30, and then <clears throat> you can unlock a lot of numbers that will confuse Sam, including a classic AE86, Sylvia's, Mazda yep. MX-5 and RX-7, Supra's, E36, E46, E92. They got the E92? <laughs> they, they have, and Sam, who makes the E92? <laughs> McDonald's. <laughs> no, that's that's probably on their ingredients list somewhere. Uh, the answer is BMW, uh, and it also includes modern performance cars like the M2 and Hellcat. Um, so you pick whatever car you like once you can afford it. You mod the shit out of it, and you hit the road to pull off some sweet slides. Uh, yeah, you got to adjust your camber. You do have to adjust your carrots. Round of applause for Sam. Yeah. Um, for for drifting, you don't really need too much negative camber. Just lower it to get rid of. <laughs> get rid of what? <laughs> Body rolls stiffen unless you're going into drifting seriously. Most use. Are you reading of off of a Google search result right now? <laughs> no. <laughs> so moving on with drift king. Um, there are currently 27 drift tracks, uh, and they're tied to different modes, including basic drift tracks, uh, tight mountain roads, and prototype open world maps. And they have time, time attack and live stream drift events coming soon. Pretty much pulling off drifts gives you points and money uh, to unlock new cars, maps, and mods. And there's a shockingly deep garage, which is really where a lot of the fun of this game is. There are aesthetic mods, including the colors, kits, wheels, and library building. What's library building, Sam? Um, it's where you... Big card now. It's where you change what your car looks like. Did you just Google that, too? <laughs> no, no, because livery like means like clothing, so I just kind of guessed based on context clues. Is that how you pronounce livery? Yeah, you've been doing it wrong this whole time. All right, we're going to have to play pronunciation game 2.0, and I'm going to go how to pronounce... So I'm just going to put livery... This is also a great content. <laughs> <laughs> and? Fuck! <laughs> yeah. All right. So, yes, there are aesthetic mods like livery, <laughs> performance mods, uh, and then a very fleshed out tuning system that has a cool feature where you can drop in and out of test drives uh, and very quickly, immediately see how your changes have affected your car. Um, we played the game with Xbox controllers, where the controls are responsive, and they pretty much mirror Forza controls. There's a lot of balancing, changing gears with your gas level, uh, using the e-brake to start drifts, and steering and counter-steering. Uh, it, it's probably a bit aggressive for new players, so I'm going to... Yeah. Sam, why don't you pipe in and tell me your opinion on that? Yeah, so all jokes aside, it, it's obviously a game made for people like you who have experience in the genre, you know? Um, so I found it like surprisingly difficult. I, I had to spend a lot of time in the parking lot, uh, sort of like practice tutorial map, um, just practicing drifting at different angles around streetlights before I felt like I was even ready to hit like the first actual circuit, you know? So like, it, it's definitely geared towards, like I said, people like you, people with experience um, in racing games, but that's fine, you know? It's like it's like, it's like like I think of the Dune movie, right? Like, a lot of people are like, I don't know what the fuck's going on. That's because you didn't do the homework. You love the homework. I do love the homework. Yeah, and I, I mean, it really is that, though. It really is. It's, like I said, it's the Drift Lover's Drift game. Yeah. So the game is intended to be primarily an online competitive game, uh, but that's 
kind of stunted by the low player base. I don't know if I said this at the beginning, but this game has a very positive review on Steam with 69 reviews. Uh, which yeah, is, I think this is our lowest reviewed game. Like, not lowest is in score, but lowest is in number of reviews that we've done yet. I think so. Um, but what you're left with, despite the meager online community that hopefully will build up more in the future, is still a surprisingly good sandbox, pretty much. You play around in it, do drifts, build your cars, and have a good time. I was going to say, just like Ramp, you know, it seems like uh, it's, um, like, good. It it chooses one thing, focuses on that one thing. The secret sauce is the physics of that one thing, you know? Right. And for people who are into it, they're really going to appreciate it. Right, exactly. And the a lot of the fun is in pulling stuff off and that, like, rhythm and per- personal satisfaction. Uh, you're stringing together great drifts, you know, just, like, landing a bunch of skateboard tricks versus, like, getting achievements and that sort of thing. Moving on to the level of polish, uh, the cars are really lovingly rendered. They're all modified versions of stuff, uh, but they're really interesting and fun, and they really fit the drift culture. Uh, the environments are kind of... They have that sterile, repetitive kind of arcade sheen, but I think that it adds to the charm. Yeah, from what I saw, I agree with that. Yeah, and then also too the the you mentioned a lot of uh, e and then a two numbers and a bunch <laughs> of other things, which meant nothing to me. But again, like I feel like if you're someone who's into drifting and racing games, like it seems like they nailed the car selection, right? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, and they're uh, he's adding new cars all the time. Um, yeah. The music exists, and it's fine. <laughs> Very what you would expect, uh, just some pulsing electronic music. Uh, mm-hmm. But I think I'm going to make a unique recommendation for this game, Sam, and I'm going to say play your own music while you're playing this. I'm going to say play other episodes of Under 1000 while you're playing this. You can do that, too. It's a little bit of a weird <laughs> flow state you get into with my voice in the background. But I would say play whatever music you like while you're drifting around, and you'll have a good time. In terms of sound, the cars sound like super compressed MIDI files. Uh, it's <laughs> the exhaust notes aren't <laughs> part of the fun. The physics are really the core strength of the game, and that's why I'm kind of willing to forgive kind of the sound and game environment stuff a bit because it's just amazing how much nuance has been put into this by one guy with a small team helping him. Right? Yeah. So overall. I think the takeaway from this game is play it if you love drifting. Yeah, or if you want to get good at drifting, because frankly, I think it's a pretty good sandbox for people like me who have never played that you know genre before or very like have limited experience, but like might want to get good at it. You know, it seems like practicing at this could probably translate to like Forza and other racing games. Definitely, yeah. Uh, and Sam, do you have a review for this game? I do, yeah. And it's not a review specific to the game. I chose this review because I've seen this type of review in a lot of games, and you'll see. Uh, so from Bootleg Sushi. Fun even without friends. Um, <laughs> Steam users, are you okay? <laughs> Does he mean without friends in the game or without friends in his life? That's the question, isn't it? <laughs> I feel like I've seen this review on every single game, even single-player games, which is where it's very troubling. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's context clues here. <laughs> yeah. All right. You've wrapped up your appetizers. It's time for you to move on 
to whatever full meal you're going to provide yourself when this episode of Under <laughs> 1000 <laughs> concludes. Yeah, that's all we've got for you today. So thanks for listening to another episode of Under 1000. Um, if you like what you heard, follow us on the podcast app of your choice, rate and review on iTunes, and do make sure that you hit the follow or subscribe because that does really help, uh, especially now that we've launched. Thanks to those of you who have already followed and subscribed. Um, it really means a lot, and it's helped the show get uh, momentum, so that's great. Um, you can follow us on Twitter at at underscore 1kpod. That's at underscore 1kpod. Uh, you can find us on Patreon at uh, patreon.com slash u1k. That's u, the number one, the letter k. And, uh, yeah, and we've actually got some Patreon shoutouts to do, speaking of which. We have two Patreon supporters as of this episode, so we'd like to offer a huge thanks to uh, Shiori and Sayaka, who have both supported us at the $5 tier and earned their shoutout. So thanks, guys, and we hope to see um, you know more of you supporting us in the future. That'd be awesome. Um, anything else, Jacob? You out of the litter box now. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> have a good yeah. night. <laughs> or day, whatever time. I don't time know what that means. <laughs> Bye, guys. Bye, guys.